This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Kurt Heelan joins us from NBC Pro Hoops Talk. Uh, Happy New Year, Kurt. Hope everything's good. Oh, everything's great. How are you doing? Happy New Year to you, man. My man. So, um... What was your initial reaction when uh, David Stern had the uh, hemorrhage and the aneurysm and, and was in, uh, you know, grave health, and then uh, eventually here uh, he's passed at 77? Uh, when you first saw that he was sick and what happened to him, uh, you had to worry for him. I, I know I did, and, and uh, I'm not really surprised that this happened. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, I can say I— it was a shock when when the first news came out, you know, that he that he'd had the brain hemorrhage, you know, in a restaurant in New York. But when not only was there just limited news, but when you ask anybody about it, it was pretty clear this was really grave. So by the time um, the news came down today that he had passed, I, it really wasn't a surprise anymore. But it, it you know, from the day that we first heard the news, I think we all kind of started to reflect on on just how much he had shaped the game and how much he had meant to the NBA. Cause when he took over in 94, I mean, sorry, 94, 19, you know, 1984 magic and bird were going at it, but that was still a, a fragile growing popularity with the league. It hadn't become the, the, the international global powerhouse that it was. And, uh, he, you know, he just totally shaped the league. So, uh, seven teams joined the league, six relocated, uh, he created the WNBA. Uh, he was a you know huge asset there, and um, he developed the NBA Development League, the G League, yep. of course. And then um, you know uh, this guy was behind. Obviously, he had a huge impact on the Dream Team in the '92 Olympics. I mean, it yep. just goes on and on the things that he accomplished. He truly did make the uh, league uh, mega profitable and global. I think the second part of that is huge. I mean, yes, look, he would not have kept his job as long as he did if he didn't make it more profitable for the owners than when he took over. And that part of that was, um, you know, cleaning up some – A, is, you know, look, there wasn't a salary cap before David Stern, but the league was also the first league to drug test and, and deal with perception issues along those lines. But the second part of that, which you mentioned, is really, I think, what may ultimately be the legacy longer term – the NBA became a global league. I mean, the NFL is the bigger sport here in America, but the NBA has found a way. Look, they're just, it is now the preeminent basketball league in the world. The best players are there. It has the international draw. It has a huge fan base in China, which is you know, a whole other challenging issue, but I mean, huge fan bases in Europe. It has grown in a way that, you know, Premier League soccer or, or, you know, very, you know, other sports have, it's taken on that kind of a global brand. And ultimately, while the league will be popular in America, it's, it's growth. It's also, you know, financial growth for these owners is in the international popularity. And Stern was at the forefront of that. So uh, Kurt Heelan with us, you know, he uh, turned 
uh, a league that was, uh, you know, with the television revenue at the time, there was literally no revenue into a almost billion dollar revenue producing uh, entity on television. It really is incredible what he did with, you know, the league in terms of television. Yeah, and he was the first person. The other part of his legacy that really lasts is this was they weren't sure how to market this, and he was in marketing. Got it? He was an iron fist in a velvet glove with the way he dealt with things, but he understood that the NBA could market its stars in a way that other sports couldn't. I mean, you can the sports a little more intimate in the sense that fans are close to the, to the playing feet, you know, the court in a way that doesn't happen in football or soccer or other sports. Plus, without without helmets, without something protecting their heads, you could see their faces, you could see their emotions. You got to know the players, and so they started to market the stars. It wasn't the, it was Magic versus Bird. It wasn't the Lakers versus the Celtics, and he understood that. He understood what Michael Jordan could be internationally, not the Chicago Bulls, and putting the players as the face of the league changed it and and changed it for the better, but also made it so much more marketable. And I, I, he was part of the vision. He was the vision that saw that and what it could be in a way that I don't think any other leagues ever have. So, uh, Kurt Heelan with us from NBC. Uh, how about the way he handled the Magic Johnson HIV situation? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a delicate situation. And then, you know, Magic comes back and some guys don't want to play with him. And there's the whole, you know, the all-star game that when he comes back. And I think he was progressive in the sense of trying to help people get a grasp on, on what was going on and, and guiding magic and helping guide magic to, to get people to understand what, what could and couldn't be done with that disease. And so he, he had a real vision for, and, and a real loyalty to those kind of, you know, those players in those situations. He was a, a great friend to a lot of guys and, and helped them through that, but he helped magic, he helped Magic, but I think you know, Magic certainly helped him in the league grow as well with that. Uh, how do you think uh, Silver's doing? I think, look, I think Silver's done really well. It's, he's a he's a modern he, he's a, he's a modern CEO. David Stern, like I said, was was more you know old school authoritarian, my way or the highway. Adam Silver is a consensus builder, and I think that that fits better with a modern generation of owner and a modern generation of fan, and just how you run the business. But I will add this. In terms of direction of the league, I don't know that you're seeing a dramatic change from what was and what would have been. I think it would. There's some things that might have been different. Look, David Stern never dealt with, um, never dealt with um, Donald Sterling in the way that, that Adam Silver did. But on the flip side of that, I don't really think in terms of direction of the league, there's much difference. I think there's a style difference in how they handle things. But I think that in terms of where they want to take the league and, and, and the visions they have, it's pretty much a lockstep. Uh, Kurt Heelan with us from NBC. Do you think um, LeBron James will pass uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time wow. leading scorer in the NBA in the next few years? You know, I used to think no because that's just a ridiculous number. And, and, and you kind of forget that Kareem was knocking down sky hooks and scoring double digits like way into his late 30s and 40s, and you're like, man, I don't know that anybody can do that as long. And then I watched LeBron play this year, Scott. And you're like, man, 
I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe he can. I mean, he's going to need a couple more seasons of high-level scoring to get there. But you watch him play this year, and you think, yeah, he can probably get there. Like, there's nothing to see to think that he's somehow somehow going to dramatically slow down and not score. So, you know, he said in an interview the other day that it's within his. It's you know, it's in. He's envisioning it. He can see it now, and I think that that changes things. And he's going to stick around for a few more years. I mean, he's made it pretty clear. He, he wants to play with Bronny if and when Bronny enters the league in a, a few years. Um, I think he hangs around for a while. And I think that that record may fall. I thought, it's, look, if you'd asked me that two years ago, I would have said, nah, no way he gets there. No, I kind of think he might get there. Do you think it's a good or a bad idea that they show uh, all of Bronny's high school basketball games on, on national television? Uh, I'm, I'm generally not a fan of that. And here's the thing. I, I, Ronnie's good, obviously. Like this is a, he's a D one player, right? Like he's a high level D one player. He's going to be good. If you talk to scouts and you talk to people and you ask, hey, is he a pro? Is this guy? A, he is not the highest ranked kid in his class. Like he's not. I, I don't know that he is a some sort of lock NBA star like he's getting treated. Right. Um, maybe he de- and maybe he develops into that. Maybe he doesn't. He's a high school freshman, Scott. I mean, we we don't know what he's going to be. Um, he's not, but he's not the highest ranked high school kid out there. And um, there's interest, but I don't know if it's going to reach that level yet. And I'm not comfortable with that kind of hype being on any high school kid. I, there's other ones out there as well. And it's, just, it's always a little uncomfortable to watch guys become superstars and in a, in a certain level as when they're high school freshmen and sophomores because right. that's a long, long way from being a man in the league. Man. My uh, my son's in ninth grade. He's playing high school basketball. He uh, he starts. He's a point guard. He uh, They're not airing his games on, on national no. television. I think it's uh, very bizarre. I think it's all about his dad, and I think it's all about fame and yeah. money, and I think it's oh, yeah. a, a lot of it has to do with LeBron and Wade because his kids there as well. I think it's actually kind of um, it's kind of ridiculous. I think uh, you know I remember when they were showing his games uh, and when he was playing in Akron. I get it, but uh, I, I can't even fathom that they're showing because they were like I, they they weren't showing his ninth grade games. They were they were showing no. him in his senior year. Uh, but I, I don't. I just don't believe in it. I think it's. I think it's actually yeah. ridiculous. And it, I, maybe because of his father, maybe because of his situation, he handles this way. But not, you know, from Stanley Roberts on through, there's a long history of guys who were like sure thing locks at that age who didn't pan out um, for a variety of reasons. So you know, hopefully he does. I mean, I, you know, I, hopefully he can pan it. He can develop into what he's. He might be able to be, but I'm not. You know, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> he's not his dad. I mean, as good, as good as he might be, he's just, you know, right. his dad is a, a once-in-a-generation player, and this is a lot to put on the, the shoulders of a, a ninth grader. You know, I'm watching him right now playing the signs are blowing him out. But the thing is, is that everybody keeps talking about L.A.'s the hotbed for basketball this year. Fair enough. But the thing is, every time, like, what, have I seen him twice maybe uh, play the Clippers? The Clippers beat him. I mean, Kawhi yep. Leonard and uh, – and George have their number. I don't care what anybody says. And I think Beverly does. I think uh, you know uh, the the uh, Montrez Harrell does. I think the uh, the Zubac does. I, I think they have their number. What I like better about the Clippers, as currently constructed, and both both of these teams will evolve and change. And you know maybe maybe call us you know 
reports are now that Darren Collison is looking at those two teams, and right. you know, we'll see what happens with Andre Iguodala. And so both of these teams will look different um, come the playoffs. But as currently constructed and as, light, as, as mainly constructed heading into the playoffs, what I like better about the Clippers is that they're versatile. They can beat you a variety of ways. The, the Lakers don't have that, really. I mean, they're getting good play out of their role players right now, but they are essentially a two-man show, and they need other guys to step up, and they kind of have one way they've got to beat you. The Clippers can go small. The Clippers can go big. They've got such versatility with what they can do. And, and two-way wings are so huge in the playoffs, and the Clippers have two, if not the two best, two of the very best in the league. Um, this the versatility of how they can attack puts gives Doc Rivers so many options that I'd like them better in a playoff matchup. And you're right, they've won both games head to head, and you can make cases for you know, regular season games or regular season games, and you can make cases. But I just like the versatility and options that the Clippers have to win that series ultimately. I got to tell you, I was watching a lot of basketball uh, during the holidays. And uh, every night, and I and the guy I, the other night I watched a game. I, I don't know if you saw it. The game where the Suns won in Portland, and uh, I, I thought I have to tell you, I think Booker. I'm watching him, then I get their ass beat. But that's not the point. My point is, I think Booker and the kid that really blew my mind watching him play was uh, Kelly Oubre. I mean, he is so much better playing with Booker and playing on that Suns team than he was playing in D.C. With Beal and Wall ball hog and an iso ball and hero ball, uh, he looks like a completely different player playing with Booker. I think Booker's really taken a step forward this year. He got a lot of flack from myself and others about being a little bit empty calorie the last few years. Like He put up numbers, but they, were they getting them anywhere? This year, he's genuinely getting them somewhere. Part of it else is, honestly, they did a better job building out that roster. They finally put a real point guard next to him. Ricky Rubio is a legitimately good NBA point guard who knows how to run a team and set guys up and just and be a pro's pro. And suddenly, how much better they look. You know, Aiden's getting the ball where now where he could score. Aaron Baines looks fantastic. Um, you know, and they're again they're they're not as good as the Lakers. They're not as an elite team, but they look like a competent NBA team, which is a kind of hugely forward guy compared to where they've been the last few years. And um, they. I think that bringing in Rubio and just bringing in some veterans to go with them and teach them what it's going to – put them in better positions and teach them how to win has just been huge for them. It really has. And uh, what do you think of Melo tonight going off at the Garden? He, he was the leading scorer and had 26, and he was 11 of 17, hit three bombs, seven boards. Uh, they were cheering for him. Uh, it was a big night for him. Yeah, I could say he, it was a great emotional night for him to kind of – cathartic night for him, I guess, to kind of get that out and, and play well in a place that, you know, where the fans really accepted him and, and and really welcomed him back. So it was so good to see. It's good to see him back playing, honestly, better than I thought he'd play. Um, this, he, he struggled a lot more in Oklahoma City and Houston, but they were they needed him to do different things and step up in ways that he – I'm not sure he can anymore – Portland just needed a body, man. They needed somebody who was competent and good, and it allowed Melo to kind of find his groove again. And he's he's looked good for them. He's he's been he's been a good good fit for them. Uh, you know, the problem is that they're that's not a great team. It's unfortunately for them, this kind of team that's they really miss Yusuf Nurkic. I don't think people realized just how good he was for them last year, and they're just not the same without. Yeah, him. there's no doubt about that uh, for sure. But uh, I think he's been giving them really good burn. Always love talking yeah. NBA rack with you, Kurt. Uh, Happy New Year. Great stuff tonight. We'll catch up again real soon. All the best, brother.
You too, man. Happy to you. All right, Kurt Heelan of uh, NBC Pro Hoops Talk on a bench. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.